as we say all the time, and I think it's important that we say it, this is not something that I found online. This is something that truly God gave me weeks ago, and I'm thankful to have the opportunity to share it with you, and it's my heart. It's very simplistic. It's very easy, uh, but it's my heart. I believe what we're going to talk about today. Um, I believe that it's connected to every single issue that we have in our culture today. What I'm going to talk about today. And the title of today's message is Our First Responsibility. Our First Responsibility with a subtitle of A Table for Two Revisited. I preached a sermon a long time ago called A Table for Two. And um, I'm going to kind of pull from that. But I really want to focus on our first responsibility. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. With much serving. So Martha necessarily wasn't distracted with a horrible sin or a horrible addiction. The Bible says that she was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Everybody say many. Verse 42. But one thing. Everybody say one. But one thing is needed. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Once again, our first responsibility. Father, we love you. God, I need you this morning. Father, I do not need something that I came up with. I need the Holy Spirit. And God, I just pray over everyone in here, Lord, that you would open up their ears to hear, Lord, the word of God, and that the word of God would go through their ears and down to their heart and eventually come out of their mouth and in action. God, we bless your name, and we thank you for this opportunity, God. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to preach your word. Now, God, once again, I pray against every distraction. God, and I just pray that we would be locked in and that we would all leave this place, God, so much better than the way we came in. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. This message is directed to everybody, obviously, as the Word of God is. But first, I really want it to be directed to you as a Christian, us as a church. And I want to say, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today could be that day. Simply believe, profess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. This could be your day. And I encourage you, if you're sitting there and you say, man, I just don't know Jesus, but I would really like to accept him today or even just talk about him, please please see me after service or see Shane or Jace or one of these leaders and we will spend time with you. Um, I don't want to just pat you on the back and say congratulations, you made the best decision of your life. Go have a great life. I'll sit here as long as you need me to sit here because it's the greatest decision that we could ever make. But once again, I really want to lock into you Christians. I want to lock into you leaders. I want to lock into you Sunday school teachers. Um, If you do anything for the kingdom, I want you to listen to what God, I believe, has to say to you. 
David Wilkerson once said, we do more and more for, we do more and more for a Lord whom we know less and less. In 2018, the culture is crazy. Our times are nuts. But we are also at a time of some of the most greatest comfort in the history of our country, meaning air conditioner, toilets. Some of y'all saints said amen. Restaurants, easy, accessible things. Um, the internet, things that we can just... Man, these days you could literally do everything off of your phone. And we're getting to the point now and, and where, I mean, you don't even have to shop for groceries anymore, uh, which kind of breaks my old school retail heart because um, I remember the days of the brown bag and the sack and that's just something personal about that. But it, it, we're, we're at a place of comfort that the world has never seen. You say, oh, that's crazy. The world's coming to an end. All hell's breaking loose. No, talk to some of the old timers. I got a chance Wednesday to talk with a lot of folks that were alive in the 40s and the 50s. And it, once again, it's such an honor to talk to those people because, man, most of us in here couldn't handle it. Just couldn't. So it is a crazy time. Uh, we know politically it's crazy morally, but on the flip side, it's the most comfortable as it's ever been, especially in the church world, especially in the church world. Um, we have made a shift over the last several years in every denomination to attempt to make the church world as comfortable as humanly possible. And nowhere in Scripture do I read that that is accurate. Everywhere I read, Jesus tells me that my walk with him and my faith is going to be tough and it's going to be difficult. And there's going to be times where I'm going to have to stretch myself. And there's going to be times where I'm going to have to sacrifice. And there's going to be times where I'm going to have to do some things that my flesh doesn't necessarily want to do. And I believe that's what David Wilkerson was saying when he said, we do more and more for a Lord whom we know less and less. Because now we're at a place in the church world where we have some unbelievable ministries set up all over the world. And some of those ministries are fantastic. Um, um, but a lot of times it comes at a cost because we have good, God-fearing men and women that are working their tails off to the point where their spiritual tank is completely empty because they've abandoned something. They've abandoned their first responsibility. And I think if we were all honest, I'm preaching to the mirror today. If we were all honest, we could all say that we have at some point abandoned our first responsibility. And you say, what is our first responsibility? Our first responsibility every day that we wake up is to sit at the feet of Jesus, is to come to the table made for two, him and you, and spend time with him before we do anything else. It's our first and greatest responsibility. And I want to revisit the table this morning. We have become way too busy even in religion. Way too busy. I've been there as a pastor. I've been there where I said yes to everything. I didn't say no to anything. And it got to the point where God was doing great things in the things that we were doing. But I would come home and there would be no spiritual gas in the tank at all. I had no necessarily relationship with Christ in the sense of us being intimate because I was abandoning my first responsibility and focusing on my second, third, and fourth responsibility. Are y'all with me? I want to talk about some core things that will help us 
in this process with our first responsibility and getting back to our first responsibility. And I want to say, I said just a few seconds ago that I believe that most of the issues that we have in our culture and our world, and let's bring it down to Hebrew Springs, it's because this is missing. It's because this time right here between you and God is missing. It's because this time right here, that why is it that we have more churches that we've ever had in the history of America? Why is it that we have over 60 churches in rural honky-tonk Cleveland County? We have a church on every corner. Why is it that we have more ministries in the history of the world right in 2018 and we've become the most illiterate biblical generation in the history of the world? I'm tired of reading the books. I'm tired of the... It seems like every devotional these days is about that. It's, it, you hear the statistics. Like I got so tired a couple years ago about hearing the statistics about how when 18-year-olds graduate, 8 out of 10 of them leave the church. I got tired of that. And I just said, that ain't going to happen here. And, and I think we got to get to a place where we're just tired as a church of hearing all those statistics and biblical literacy. I don't want to be a church of biblical literacy. I want to be a church of biblical literacy where we know the word of God and we know what it means to pray and we know what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus before we go out and serve the world. This week, crazy, nuts, closed on a house, did a funeral, had a huge youth event Wednesday, preaching on Sunday. I couldn't do it without the table. I would be doing it of myself. And when we do things, even when it's serving the Lord, look what the scripture said. Martha, Martha had good intentions, but she was distracted, the Bible said, with serving. She wasn't distracted with doing dope. She wasn't distracted with prostituting herself. She was distracted by serving. She was distracted by wearing the shirt and going out and feeding the hungry. But Mary, Mary just said, Martha, I... And I'm paraphrasing, it's not in the scripture, but I'm sure Mary just said, Martha, listen, before I go in the kitchen, before I go do the food pantry, before I go do youth ministry, before I stand on a platform and preach the word of God, I got to go sit at the feet of Jesus first. Five core things that I think will help us as Christians and as a church. The first one is the way to escape religion as a front is to make it a fount. The way to escape religion as a front is to make it a fount. Look at John chapter 4. I'm on the teenagers on this all the time about how we as a society have become so good at putting up a religious front. If we are the most biblical, illiterate generation in the history of the world, we sure do have a bunch of Christians running around wearing the t shirts, being part of the choirs. I believe one of the greatest missions fields in 2018 has become the church. I believe that. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water. Now, we know this story. The Samaritan woman meets her Messiah. Jesus answered. And let's just read this. Go to verse 1. The Samaritan woman meets her Messiah. Verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Even Jesus sat at the table. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to drink the water, or draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Everybody say living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You shouldn't have asked that question, woman. Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The way to escape religion as a front is to make it a fount. How do you make it a fount? How do you make it a fount? By sitting at the table with Jesus. A front runs on empty, but a fount is everlasting. My good intentions, Larry, when I wake up to be a leader in the community, that's great that I have good intentions. But if I don't go to the Lord first, Ryan, if I don't sit down at the table and spend time with Jesus and simply read the scripture because I believe that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, I don't have to have a specific verse I have to go to. I can just open up the scripture and the Bible says it's living. So if it's living, when I begin to read it, something begins to happen in the spiritual realm. And it becomes a fount just bubbling up in me. So then when I go out and I, I lead the community I don't do it to the best of my ability, Jack, but I do it to the best of the Holy Spirit's ability. It's a continuous fountain, fountain, just bubbling up in me, never ending. But if I go at it as a front, it runs on empty. Are you with me? We're running on fumes, church family. We're running on fumes. Number two, our first responsibility. See to it that we pray more than we preach, teach, disciple, serve, parent. And we will never preach, teach, disciple, serve, parent ourselves out. Let me read that again. Listen to me, husbands and wives. Listen to me, Sunday school teacher. Listen to me. You have good intentions, but you have the spirit of Martha and not Mary. See to it that we pray more than we preach, teach, disciple, serve, and parent. And we will never preach, teach, disciple, serve, and parent ourselves out. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Young people, listen to me. Some of you young couples, listen. I've sat with you. I've heard your stories. I've heard your concerns. This getting close to Jesus is a lot easier than you're making it. Pray. Pray. Look at verse 5 first. Jesus speaking, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. I love praying in the sanctuary. I love praying in public. I love praying out wherever we're at. I love praying here. I love standing with you and calling upon the name of the Lord. But if this is the only time that I pray, if this is the only time that I call upon the name of the Lord, and then on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, I serve and I parent and I lead and I pastor, I will wear myself out. Are you following me? 
But verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. you got to come to the table of prayer, even when you don't feel like it. Jesus said, when you go into your room, close the door. Why do you close the door? So you won't be distracted. Very simple. When you close the door, Jesus said, what do you pray in secret, Sam? Jesus said, I will reward you openly, meaning it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does. It's what matters is what I say, what Jesus is speaking to you. You're going in your closet. You're not worried about what so-and-so is saying. You're not worried about what this is saying. You're not worried about this D group or this cell group. You're not worried about anything. It's just you and Jesus because you've closed the door. And when you close the door, you're saying, I'm done with distractions. I can get away from my phone for 30 minutes. I can check out a Facebook for at least an hour of my life to shut the door. And Jesus said, what you say to me in there in secret, because it's just me and you, I will reward you openly. What's openly? Me serving the community. Me parenting, me pastoring, me leading. You teach at Sunday school. You lead in a small group. That's what's in secret. Are you with me? Our first responsibility. The third core thing I think will help us stay with God in the secret place longer than we are with men in the public place, and the fountain of our wisdom will never dry up. Prayer, I've... I've never struggled with prayer because I've always kept it as simple as I could keep it, Jeremy. It's a simple conversation between me and God. I've kept it that way my whole life, Craig. That's helped me. Because at first, you know, everybody struggles with the whole going into a room and I got to look at somebody. Okay? But man, when you can get past that and you just see it's just a conversation with you and God. And, and, and we talk about this a lot here. And some of you might disagree with me. But I, I've, when you begin to open your mouth and just begin to talk to God. Man, things that, that concern about, we're so image driven and we're so concerned about what he or she is thinking. God doesn't care about that that moment when you're in the secret place. It's just you and him. He wants to have a conversation with you in that moment. And when you stay with God in that secret place, longer than when you try to serve out in public, then the fountain of your wisdom will never dry up. And I want to use a family as an example, my family as an example. And come sit down for me, please. I'll pull out the seat for you. Y'all just check out for a second. This will be a date between me and her. This doesn't happen a lot, so Shane can be our skinny jean waiter. Sorry. I love you. So check this out. Listen to me. Before I can be the husband that God has called me to be, Scripture is very strategic. Listen to me. I don't care if you've been married 50 years. Listen to me. The, the Scripture is very strategic, Larry. It tells me that I am the spiritual leader of my household. That's my responsibility, Jack. That's nobody else's. Nobody can come in my house and be the spiritual leader of my house. Eli can't be the spiritual leader of my house. I am the spiritual leader of my home. But to do that, I can't run on empty, John. I can't wake up and then just all of a sudden start being a great husband to Ann. I'm doing her a disservice, but more importantly, I'm doing God a disservice. I have to stay longer in this moment. I have to stay longer in the secret place with God than I am with her to begin the day. Are you following me? Does that make sense? 
Before I can be a husband that I need to be to her, I need to be in that secret place long enough that what I pray in secret, God will reward me openly. And every day I pray, Psalm 128, Father, my wife is a fruitful vine in the heart of my home. And then I'll say, Anne is a fruitful vine in the heart of my home. My children, Eli, Josiah, Lily, Prue, Seth, and Katie are like all the plants all around my table. You're Pastor Brown State all the time. I got to do that before I can be the husband that Jesus has asked me to be to her. But if I wake up and I don't have this moment and I skip my first responsibility and I go to my second responsibility, she is my second responsibility. He is my third. They are not number one in my life. My relationship with Jesus Christ is first and foremost. You say, well, that's crazy talk. No, listen, we can get to the point where we worship our spouses. We can get to the point where we worship our families. Nowhere in Scripture does God say worship your families. Because if you worship him first, your first responsibility, he'll take care of all that other stuff. And it reflects. I know when I don't spend time with Jesus, I know when I skip my first responsibility because then, this is me, I become edgy to her. I'm not the man of God that God asked me to be to her and what she deserves. And that's on me because I've skipped my first responsibility, even if it's in good intention. Remember Martha? Good intentions. The Bible says she was distracted. Okay? Birthdays, anniversaries. Come on, man. The pressure's on when you wake up, right? I might skip this moment. But when I skip this moment, I'm skipping my first responsibility, and I'm not as the best husband that I could be to her in that moment. Thank you, honey. She's a wonderful woman. Yes, you're good. Praise God. Come here, son. Same thing, dads. Parents, I've, I've been working with parents for almost 15 years. Ann's been working with parents for almost 15 years in the public school. It's just crazy. But we wonder why it's crazy. It's because parents aren't equipping themselves first before they parent their child. I'm an intense, edgy, impatient man. And my son said amen. The Bible tells me not to unleash wrath upon my child. Now, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. I've got to spend time, I've got to be the son first. I've got to be the son first. I've got to go to the father first before I can be a biblical father that he needs me to be. Are you following me? Thank you, son. We can't do this thing on empty. But as parents, as husbands and wives, as even with our family members, we try. We try under the umbrella of just being a good Christian. Just being a good Christian didn't get it done for Martha. She was too distracted. Number four, keep our hearts open to the inflowing spirit, and we will not become exhausted by the outflow. Zechariah 4 and 6 said, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Pastors talked about this. He preached on a little bit, touched on a little bit of the, of the pastor's journey. And so many pastors across America, so many youth pastors, man, they try to do youth ministry and they try to do ministry just on empty, just out of, man, I'm a Christian. And, and just out of maybe devotional time that they had years ago, they're still living off of that. You can't live off that. You can't live off of gas that you got a year ago. If I tried to live off gas that I got a year ago, I would be stuck on the side of the road. I need fresh gas. 
And that fresh gas is only found at the table with Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, need, I need four or five of my young people to come up here. Sam, Ben, Raylene, some of y'all come up here. Now, all y'all can't sit in the chair together because they'll try. This isn't a game for points, okay? Caleb or Raylene or Sam, whatever first girl is going to sit down. Okay, awesome. Now, listen. I can't expect to pour out the Holy Spirit upon them to help them see the Holy Spirit if I haven't taken in the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? How can I lay hands on them and expect God to do anything when I'm running on empty? I'm being Martha. And Jesus said, be Mary first, then you can get to Martha. Are you following me? So Wednesday night, we went to the Chastain Chapel, and it was in my heart years ago to create this thing. We had seven different churches, and I'll just be honest with you. One of my goals is to get all these Baptist and Methodist people filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? That's just my goal, all right? Judge me if you want, whatever. I've seen it with my own eyes. A young person is completely different. All them Baptist kids come up to me, man, I don't know what, I don't know what was inside of you, but I liked it. I don't. So what, what is that? I, I don't know what. But I can't preach to 150 young people on empty. Are you following me? You can't mentor somebody. These Christian teachers that we have in our church, which are phenomenal men and women of God, cannot reach this generation if they're just putting out and putting out and putting out. They got to take in. Give these guys a big round of applause. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I do thank God for what he's doing with our young people. I believe it's genuine. I really do. Romans chapter 8. Keep our hearts open to the influence spirit and we will not become exhausted by the outflow. Talk, poll, poll 50 people today and ask them how they're doing. And I bet you 45 of them will say, I'm tired. I'm busy. Right? We're all guilty of that. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It doesn't matter how good you think you are, if you try to go about being a leader or you try to go about doing good things just because you're a good person, the Bible says that's going to lead to death. You can't live off of that. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's why every day you've got to come to the table and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Verse 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity or division against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't matter how much I tell Anna I love her. It doesn't matter how many things I get her. It doesn't matter how many things I get Eli. If I'm doing it in the flesh, it's only going to lead to death. It's only going to lead to problems. Hence the reason so many people in the church these days has a lot of problems. And instead of going to their first responsibility, they go to their second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and they wonder why nothing's getting fixed. Why do we continue to have some of the same altar calls in our church in America? Same altar calls, same people, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because there's a lack of our first responsibility. There's a lack of coming to the table with Jesus Christ. And there's a lack of working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Y'all with me? Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians, the fifth chapter. Verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you come to me and you're just transparent and you say, man, I'm struggling with A, B, C, or D, or me and so-and-so's having a tough, tough times right now, or me and my child's having tough times right now, and, and I think the church needs to get back because I do believe there's a time in culture where church was just honest with people, and if we be, just begin to be transparent, honest, and say, and say, tell me what your day looks like. That's what I started doing when I counsel people. And I'm not a counselor. I'm just as a pastor. What does your day look like? Well, me and so-and-so is having problems at home. What does your day look like? Well, I can't parent my teenager. She, I'm really struggling. What does your day look like? Well, I wake up and brush my teeth and I, I check my Facebook account. And then I go and I turn on Fox News and watch it for 17 hours. And, and then I, I, I turn over to CNN and, and I check out that. And then I watch the ball game, and then I go to work, and then I go to 17 practices, and then I come home, and I watch TV for about three hours, and then I go to bed. I'm going to meet with you for about two minutes, and I'm going to tell you what I just read in Galatians chapter 5. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If all you're doing when you wake up is feeding the flesh, no wonder you have problems. You will have problems, and you will always have problems. But if you wake up and you feed the Spirit first, feed the Spirit first, Feed the Spirit first, daily, consistency. All you gym people, how many of you have ever went to the gym on Monday and then went to Sonic on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and looked in the mirror on Sunday and said, man, going to the gym was worth it. That Monday was awesome. I've been one of them people. We do the same thing in Christianity. And a lot of times, as a church, our table is right here. God never intended the table to be right here. This isn't your address. 1009 West Searcy Street is not your home address. My first responsibility is 274 Mountaineer Drive. When I walk through my home and I pray over my children, I pray over my wife, and I, I pray God fill me with the Holy Spirit so that when I go to 1009 West Searcy Street or I go up to Pine Street or K Street to the school, that I can pour out what God has filled me up with. Are you following me? But we have made a complete dependence on this moment right here. Some of us will leave this place today and go feed our flesh for five or six days and then wonder why what we experienced on Sunday hadn't worked out for us. Because we've abandoned our first responsibility. Galatians 6 and 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Young Christians, listen to me. Where do I start? Where do I read? Where do I, you start right here. You start right here. You sit down before a busy meeting. You sit down before uh, you got to go to the school and talk with the teachers. You sit down before you go talk to anybody. You sit down before you go feed and clothe the hungry. You sit down before you go and pray with anybody. And you get filled and you spend time with Jesus first. Number five, last one. Cultivate 
the acquaintance of God more than the friendship of men. And we will always have abundance of bread to give to the hungry. Cultivate the acquaintance of God. God should be our best friend. God should get more time than we spend with any other person on this earth. John chapter 15. Look at it. John chapter 15. Verse 15. We sing about it, but we don't live it out. I'm a friend of God, right? John chapter 15, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, Jesus speaking, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command, that you love one another. You ask the Father. You ask the Father in those moments at the table. You ask the Father. You cultivate that relationship. Just like you would cultivate a relationship with somebody else, with a best friend, or with whoever. You cultivate that relationship by communication. You cultivate that, that friendship by getting into the Word of God and knowing God better. In 2018, I believe we know the church more than we know Jesus. I believe that. We know the church more than we know Jesus. The church has become the highlight on the bumper stickers now, not Jesus. The church has become the shirt now, not Jesus. That's why on our new shirts, I wanted to make sure on the sleeve it said Jesus. It's about the church now. It's about the marketing plan to create this business model that this is who we are. The reason you are, you are that is because of Jesus. Cultivate the acquaintance of God more than the friendship of men. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 147, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. And in conclusion, Aaron, join me. Our first responsibility. Listen to me. Once again, I'm preaching in the mirror. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just, at the end of the day, I want to preach the truth. And the truth in the church is we're giving other things more attention than we are Jesus. Our relationship with him, that intimacy. When you spend more time in front of a TV. When you release all of your passion into an opinion about a situation that's going on on a TV. And you don't spend time in God's word. You don't sit at the table. You say you're a Christian. And then you sit back and expect God to heal your land. Will he? What did the Bible say? The Bible said, the Bible didn't say consume yourself with the matters of the world by watching so much TV that you get so frustrated. Watching so much TV where that's all you talk about in your conversations. And then sit back and expect God to heal your land. No, God said when you will humble yourself and pray. 
when you will humble yourself and sit at the table with me, then I'll heal your land. The church has become so good at just kind of knowing everything and having our own opinions. And I'm guilty of anybody. But our first responsibility is not to the public, but to God in our own souls. I get it, man. I, the political world right now, all that stuff, it's intense. I get it. But so is little children being taken away from their families because their mom and dad's beating them. Or they're sticking needles in their arms. If we would put as much passion as we put in our opinions, you would see revival. I heard Christy Irwin, she is the Project Zero leader of the state of Arkansas. Project Zero helps kids that have their rights have been terminated and they're just sitting waiting for somebody to adopt them. There's over 500 of them just waiting for somebody to give them a family. She posted a video the other day and said, she said, I, I can't hold my righteous indignation anymore. She said, how is it in 2018 you can go out and you can make a video of some kid playing with a yo-yo and doing some silly trick with an animal and that video will get 10 million hits you make a video of a 10-year-old who ain't got no mom and daddy, and it might have a 1,000, 2,000 hits. Or you get somebody that will make a video of them just blasting somebody else, whether they're right or wrong, just tearing them a new one. And we'll get all fired up and excited about it. And then, once again, and I'm just using an example, there's other things. A video will come out about a nine-year-old kid who's been beaten and, and battered, and, and, and it's, just kind of, it's just kind of there. I just believe it's because we've abandoned this place. We don't know what intimacy with Jesus is anymore. Three things I want you to take away from this place this morning. And they, these three things have become my, and just my everything. Humility. You have to humble yourself and pray. You have to humble yourselves when you say, you know what? I'm Martha right now and I'm too distracted. I gotta stop what I'm doing. The world will keep going, I promise. You're one of eight billion people. You're not that important. Sit down with Jesus first before you try to be super mom and super dad. Second thing is a simplicity. Make it simple. We've made this Jesus Bible reading thing way too complicated. We, when we do sit down at the table, we've got seven concordances strung out. We've got something on our phone. We've got something on the internet. We've got this devotion from this famous pastor. We've got this book from this famous pastor. Sit down with the Word of God and simply begin to read the Word of God. 
and simply begin to open up your mouth. You heard me say it, bring volume to your heart. And the third thing is, is consistency. Consistency. Where has consistency gone in our world? Everything's microwave, boom, boom, let's have it now. I want it now, 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 now. Where is the consistency? Nowhere in Scripture did they get it now. They were in the desert for a long time. They had to wait for things a long time. We want to ignore our first responsibility but expect revival to take place. It's not going to happen until we get it, get our priorities straight. And I believe when you're consistent, you get your priorities straight. Just like when you go to the gym, if you're consistent in the gym, guess what? You're going to get healthy. If you're consistent with your eating, you're going to be healthy. The same thing goes with your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're consistent with the table for two, that intimacy with Christ, your first responsibility, you will be consistent as a Christian. You'll be a consistent father. You'll be a consistent dad. But when you feed your spirit on Sunday and then you feed your flesh on Monday, Tuesday, feed your spirit on Wednesday, feed your flesh on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm not good at math, but that doesn't work out. It is by these three things that we will have trustful communion with God that will help us keep the fountain open with our hearts. I just believe that if you'll get up every day and sit at the table with Jesus, your life will be totally different. You'll be better at everything across the board. You'll be a better teacher, better husband, better wife, better son, better daughter, better worker, better friend. You'll be better at all those things. And more importantly, you'll have more of the Holy Spirit in you to be released to those that need to experience that. Why are we not reaching the lost? Because everybody's on empty, even the church. Because it goes back to what I started with. Yeah, culture's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, Jesus come back anytime. But it sure is comfortable to have padded chairs and air conditioners, and pretty sanctuaries, beautiful facilities, and people right out there dying every day going to a devil's hell. Kids right over there being exposed to all kinds of craziness. While the church puts on a front instead of trusting in the fount. Father, I bless your name. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you challenged me Father, I pray, God, that we would all, as individuals first, God, get back to our first responsibility, and that is the secret place with you every day. God, I thank you for what you're doing through our fellowship, God, but I, Lord, I want more. And so I pray and I challenge our church family as I challenge myself first to seek you first, God. And then once we've spent time with you, use us, Lord God, to help reach this city for you. God, let us not be like Martha, God. Let us not be distracted. But as Jesus said, 
Let us be concerned with the one thing that matters. And that's what Mary is doing, sitting at my feet. So God, I pray that from this day forward, Lord, we would do that with humbleness, with simplicity, and with consistency. And God, use us for your glory and your honor. We love you. Thank you for our time together, God. I pray over my faithful church family. Bless them as they go, Lord. If that time with you has not been established in their lives, Lord, let it be established beginning today. God, we love you and we praise you. God, we pray for our pastor this morning.